Focus. Focus up. Ed McAndrew out in Virginia. I'm talking to you. Welcome everyone to the Rubio Method. My name is Chris Rubio. We've got the fabulous birthday boy, Nicholas Monahan. He turns the dirty 30 today. Congratulations, Monahan. Um, we're gonna have a, we're having a we're going to have a great great show for you today. It's very exciting. You're gonna love our guests. Here's what we're gonna talk about: the good and bad of volleyball. If Monahan and I believe in ghosts, me as an athlete, the Big Lebowski, the Army, X Games, and one of my favorite topics: the troops. All of that and much much more. On the Rubia method. Christian, I'm out. Focus. Focus up. Willow out in Canada. I'm talking to you. Thanks for watching. And tell your dad, Ben, I said, what's up? There are 1,440 minutes in a day. None are going to be as good as right now. Minute with Monahan, go. Let's go. What an intro. Well, guys, we got an awesome one for you today. And we're talking about three things that you can do at work to get some exercise in. It's proven that exercise helps build your mood, gets you in a better mood, gets that old ticker ticking right, and makes you overall feeling better and thinking clearly. And a lot of times with mental health, that's what we need. So we've got three things that'll help you. Number one is go for three short walks a day. It can be five minutes around the block, but go ahead and take those walks. They're so important. Number two is if you can, hey, try and get a, 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 a exercise ball as your chair. It looks funny, I understand it, but it's so good for your core and your back. Um, and number three, consider a standing desk. You could get a cheap one for 80 bucks on Amazon. You can lift it up and lift it down, but make sure you stand all day because sitting all day long is tough for your uh, overall mental health and your physical health. So do those three things and you'll be looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger in no time. And that is not a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> My hand, those are fantastic. And also remember we talked about with Bill Geyser out in Florida, uh, who I talked to him, his house is safe and all that good stuff. So that's great. Um, remember he said when you were talking about walking, how get, getting some vitamin D always helps. Oh, it's so helpful. So helpful. There, there's your minute with Monahan. Monahan, do we have some website questions that you can give to us? And remember, if you guys have any questions for us, email rubio at therubiomethod.com and we'll get them up there. Yes, we've got some awesome ones today. As always, you guys have been fantastic and your questions really spark really good conversations. So keep them up, keep sending them. Um, number one comes from Phil in Vegas. Uh, Rubio and I both love Vegas like crazy. And our future, our guest on the show, Jason Johnson, is the man we hang out in Vegas often. Um, the question is, when you guys were in college, which teams do you think had the most impressive athletes? I'll go first. Uh, we got stomped by uh, Alabama twice. Um, so I would say uh, Nick Saban and those Roll Tide uh, uh, Alabama what is their mascot again? I can't remember. But either way, Alabama crushed us. There we go. Crimson Tide. Okay. I was just saying roll tide roll. Yeah, they killed us. They, Monty, I'm going to take this question a different – I read this question differently than you did. I'm thinking more oh. of which athletes on our campus were the most impressive, and I'm going to go with the male volleyball players 
They looked like Olympic athletes. Half of them were. We're talking, you know, between six, six and basically seven feet tall, 200 to 240 pounds. I remember walking around Pollock Pavilion one time and they were conditioning and their conditioning was where they had to do layup drills like you see basketball, high school basketball, college basketball, NBA basketball. But they were doing it where they had to do dunks. And these freaks were literally like getting the ball, touching the top of the backboard, then dunking it. I mean, they are the most incredible athletes I've ever seen. Part two, though. I also have a massive oh. protest when I watch female high school volleyball. I don't know if it's college volleyball. I don't like the fact that they cheer every single second. Like some girl will hit it into the crowd and yeah, 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 yeah. No, there, there's no clapping on that one. Let's get back. Let's focus up here. So that's my, I'm very impressed with their athleticism, pissed off at their happiness. Hey, I respect that. That is so funny the way we read that two different ways, but so awesome. And then if I had to say it'd be wrestling. Wrestling, those guys are animals. Uh, also, they make for great fighters at parties. But anyways, uh, <laughs> next question. <laughs> if you're in a fight at a party, make sure you get a wrestler. Um, next question is from Johnny in New York, and he says, do you guys – believe in ghosts. Rubio, I'm going to hop out again on this one. I 100% believe in ghosts. I was actually in Chicago one time in a haunted uh, mansion for a wedding. And I swear to Bob, I felt someone grab my leg. So I turned around thinking it was my friend. No one's standing there. So I said, okay. And I said, dude, stop messing with me. And they were, he's like, I wasn't even anywhere close. I asked everyone around. No one touched me. It was the scariest moment of my life. I believe in ghosts. What about you, Rubio? 100% I do believe in ghosts. I have actually seen a ghost. This is a true story. I was at my then girlfriend's home. She had just lost their basically like their nanny forever. And the nanny kind of lived in like this little studio apartment off their garage. And she had passed away like two days before. So body was at the morgue and all that good stuff. And I came to visit my girlfriend and it got late. And the parents said, why don't you just spend the night here? You can sleep in. Her name was Mary. Mary's room. And I was young and stupid, and I didn't even think twice. I was like, yeah, I'll sleep in Mary's bed. What could happen? Didn't even think, like, dude, someone just died in that room like 48 hours ago, man. You probably want to skip this one. So I'm sitting there watching TV. I think it was actually Jay Leno. Jay Leno's going on. I'm watching, watching, watching TV. All of a sudden, you know when you get that kind of feeling where something's kind of next to you? And I look, and I kid you not, Mary is standing right there. And she was like in this Dude, white no. kind of robe, almost like, I swear to God, angelic looking. And she did not speak very good English at all. And I remember her saying to me, Chris, tell them I'm okay. Tell them I'm okay. And then she specifically asked me about my uh, girlfriend's little brother because he was very attached. Said, tell little Mondo that I'm okay. Tell the family I'm okay. Is little Mondo okay? Tell them I'm okay. And all of a sudden, the TV like went to a loud commercial, and I turned to look at the TV. Mary's gone. And for some reason, like something took over me and said, don't worry. Not a big deal. Don't get stressed out. <laughs> don't get stressed out. So I just go to bed. Like I'm so young and stupid. I just go to bed. The next morning, I wake up having breakfast, all that stuff. And the mom is still crying about they lost the nanny, who's basically a great friend of theirs. And she's like, oh, I miss Mary so much. And I go, oh, my God, I saw Mary last night. And the family went crazy. But that's my ghost story, Monahan. I don't, I don't know how we move on after that, dude. I was struggling, <laughs> dude. That's insane. Oh my god. Okay, well, I guess I. What's that? Yeah, that, it's a true insane. story. I guess we can move. 
we can move on, I guess. Dang, that's frightening. Um, yeah, wild. Okay, last question. Um, if we could even move on from that craziness. But this is from Justin in Arizona. He says, Rubio, your jersey on the rocking chair story was hilarious. So I know I've been pulling my shirt like this a ton lately to yes. loosen her up. Um, so great job there. Um, it was hilarious. And I have to know, uh, were you any good in the tight uniforms? Let's hear it. I, I I was quite the athlete in my day. I was always a bigger kid, so I was you know more of a say. I in baseball, I learned if you hit a home run, you don't have to run. So that was key to that. Um, one quick baseball story. I think Monahan, you know, you've heard this story before, Christian. I know we're over a minute, but this is a good story, and I, I think Monahan likes it. I was a good athlete, but I wasn't super competitive. I was never like, oh, God, we got to win or the, or the end of the world type thing. There was one story in eighth grade where. Our team was absolutely just dominating some kid. I was pitching. I mean, the score was it was it was one of those where it was third inning. If you got to fourth inning with you know 10 runs, you skunk them, which means did they just end the game? And we were just destroying this team, but it was only like the third inning. And this one kid gets up to bat, and he was one of those kids that he had a splash of something where he wasn't a hundred percent, and you could tell, but he, he was still out there trying. And I knew his parents really well, but he was one of those kids that he had never, ever, 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 ever hit the ball. Like not even in his dreams would he hit the ball. And I was pitching and I was a pretty decent pitcher. And I see this kid gets up the bat. And I'm like, God, this is just sad. So I lobbed the ball and he swings and misses obviously. And I, the second pitch and the coach is yelling at me now. He's like, strike him out, strike him out. I'm like, dude, we're up by 20. Who cares? I lobbed the ball again. <laughs> It, he fouled balls, just a foul tip, but it was like the, literally the first time he's ever made contact. So I can look at his parents because I knew his parents and they were kind of pumped like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. So the next pitch, the, the coach is like, lose his mind. Strike him out, Rubio. And I'm like, dude, OK, calm down. I lobbed the ball. He hits it right back to me like a bunt. I mean, it's coming maybe half a mile per hour. And this kid's running, bless his heart, not very well. He's running to first base. I pick up the ball, easy throw to first, and I just chuck it into right field. And the coach's like, what are you doing? I go, oh, man, it slipped. What am I going to do? And so this kid gets on first, and it was no big deal. I struck out the next guy. But the parents, after the fact, they came up to me after the game and just said, we know what you did. We really appreciate it. So that's that's, that's the type awesome. of baseball player that I was. Not super competitive. Just let's have a good time. It's sports. Christian, that's, that's a big, great segment, and I'm out. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just gonna drive home. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Focus, focus up. I'm talking to you, Zach Jenkins, out in the Seattle, Washington area. Thanks for watching on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon, and Google Podcasts, and of course, the RubioMethod.com or NGBN.TV. We have a phenomenal guest. I've known him for quite some time. Good friend of mine. I would say he's definitely one of those on my inner circle. We have Jason Johnson with us. He is quite the Renaissance man. He's a Southern California native that has recently moved to the Boise, Idaho area. 
He's an Army combat veteran. He's a retired X Games athlete, and he's a creative director. That means he does graphics and all that good stuff, and he's in commercial, done commercials, and basically print ads. The, he's actually this is the way we met. Is his son was kind of trying to jump into the long stabbing thing. And it, I did a throwback Thursday where I posted a photo of myself back in like 1982 or something or 79 or whatever, just basically look like a polyester dork. And he throws it back in the Brady Bunch logo. Jeff, I think you're going to be able to put that logo on here at some point. Um, and I didn't even notice it. He goes, hey, what do you think of this photo? I'm like, cool, Brady Bunch ad, dude, thanks. Like, what kind of weirdo is this? And he goes, look at the bottom right-hand <laughs> corner, man. And he basically took out Peter Brady and put me in. And I was like, holy crap, how do you, what do you do? He goes, you don't know what I do? So Jason Johnson, thanks for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ruby. I appreciate it. I really do. I won't call you Coach okay, Chris Okay, you ready? I was going to say, yeah, you don't do I'm that. I'm ready. All right, I got three <laughs> easy, easy questions for you. Number one. Why is The Big Lebowski such a good movie? Because it's perfect cinematic storytelling. It's it's just it's the perfect talking. story. It's the perfect story. Uh, okay, so, it's it's got it it just it's it's just, it's kind of like it, to me it's it's like the Seinfeld of movies. It's kind of a movie about nothing, mm -hmm. and it just kind of kind of goes. It's all about character development. It's fantastic. I, we could, we could spend the next hour talk. I love big Lebowski. In fact, I've, I've always said that I can pretty much answer any question in life with a big Lebowski quote. <laughs> the the so, thing I love about it, it doesn't big always Lebowski, go well, but I, I, you I can got, do it. No, I, I love the fact how you have about 95% of the people that watch it do not like it, but the 5% of the people that do like it, love it. And just absolutely like you and I will sit there and I'll roar through it. And my wife will look and go, are you watching the big Lebowski again? I'm like, yeah. She goes, you've seen it 500 times. I go, it's still fantastic. I don't know what to tell you. Jason, number two, if you could give someone a hug dead or alive, who would it be? My mother. That's a good, my one. that's a good my one. I like that one. A lot. She passed away a couple of years ago and it, it would be my mother, not to bring the show down, but it would be my mother. <laughs> no worries, man. That no, it brings it back up. That's a good memory. Number three, if you could take your kids to a concert with backstage passes, who would you go see? Take my kids to a concert with backstage passes. Well, that's a that's a loaded question, Rubio, because is a concert for me or for what my kids would like? That's up to you, Daddy. I, I don't know. Um, You've got the golden tickets here. Because honestly, if I could go backstage and see, people are going to think I'm nuts. But I would love to go see Slipknot and go backstage. They're they're Jesus. such not a normal band that yes, that they're just so out there. And I've heard interviews with them. They're just a bunch of goofball dudes that are just nutty and crazy, and they're all like old guys now. But uh, okay, on, honestly yeah, though, Christian if I could go Jeff, backstage, and, what's that? Christian and Jeff, you do not need to put any Slipknot music in right now. You do not need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, if, if I could go backstage and see anybody, it would it, I would go with a classic. I'd go with like a like a, a Fleetwood Mac or uh, you know something like that because like I, I'm I'm into like that old school like you know Almond Brothers that kind of stuff. I mean that I think those bands would be fantastic to go backstage and see. I actually got to go backstage one time. My my good friend that I started racing street luge with, he was engaged to Jody Hagar, which is Sammy Hagar's niece. Um, and okay. so we got backstage passes to go see Van Halen at the Pacific Amphitheater when I was, oh, this is probably early nineties. 
And so I did get to go backstage and Vince Neil was opening for Van Halen. It was the Sammy Hagar Van Halen, not the David Lee Roth Van Halen. Um, got to go backstage and Vince Neil was opening for him. He had separated from Motley Crue and Steve Sachs was his guitarist, that little short guy from Billy Idol. Okay. I go backstage and of course, going backstage is fantastic because we didn't have tickets to the show, but we just had backstage credentials. So we drove to the Pacific Amphitheater. We go to the gate. You just hold them up there. You, you feel like Wayne's World where you're holding up the, the credential when you're yeah. walking down the hallway. It was So you go up to the front. And there's this big old burly biker dude, and he grabs us and takes us, gets us inside the venue. And then we go to the where the stage is. And it was you know a couple hours before the show started. And there was just a ton of people down at the front of the stage kind of milling around. And uh, I'm like, I want to go backstage. And my buddy, Makar, was like, well, that's why we're here. So come down there and, you know, you hold the, the, the badge up and they guys waving you up there and you're like walking past everybody. Like, like I clean carpets for a living at the time. Like I'm a nobody. And I'm like walking to the backstage <laughs> thinking I'm all that in a bucket of chicken. And I walk back there. And as soon as I come around the corner, I, I, it's really kind of crowded. There's people milling around all over the place. I'd never been backstage at a big concert before. And I came around the corner and I ran straight into Steve Smith's, uh, Steve, Steve, what's Sachs. his name? I kept, I just said it. Um, the guitarist from Billy Idol run right straight, right into him, like face to face, bam, he's comes to like here on me, but he had high heels on super cool guy. And then I turn around Vince Neil sitting on the couch, drinking a beer. And I'm like, this is surreal. It was bizarre. So yeah. I left. And of course I, I just did a big, I went out, came back around. I'm like, I gotta do that again. So I came back around and I held it up and went right through everybody again, just cause I wanted to do it. <laughs> so I went backstage twice. Exactly. So it was it was fantastic. So I had been backstage at a big concert. The thing was, was Van Halen didn't roll in until halfway through Vince's set. So I never got to meet anybody because my buddy actually knew Sammy because he'd been to his house. And I was kind of hoping I could like meet Sammy and be like, hey, what's up? And have that awkward moment where you meet a celebrity. But I never got that. So and, and Christian wrote down wait. I think he's trying to wrote camp bleed here. I'm assuming that's a slipknot lyric or song. We're definitely not diving into that one. Jason, let me let me get you some real question here. What was your thought process? Because you went from straight out of high school. We talked before you weren't you you, you weren't school wasn't for you, which is fine. You went from high school directly into the army, but you were like one of the badass in the army, where you were like literally the guy diving into the foxholes, and then you went to the X Games. What is your thought process from seventeen to twenty three? Well. Well, I joined the everybody in my in my family had joined the military up into this pretty much up to this point, and I was kind of a screw up in high school. I mean, I was I I I didn't get arrested or anything like that, but I didn't take school seriously. I didn't play any sports. Basically, I just drank a lot and partied a lot and all that kind of good stuff. And I knew I didn't have any prospects. Out of the, I was working at Union seventy six up on in Glendora up on Foothill. Um, and I just didn't have, I didn't, wasn't going to plan on going to college or anything like that. So I'm like, I'm just going to go in the military. Um, so I enlisted in, in my junior year of high school. Um, so I did an early enlistment. So I, I picked the day I was going to leave for the military, which happened to be the day after I graduated high school, like the day I walked. So I walked at four o'clock at Citrus College in Glendora and the recruiter picked me up at 4 a.m. the next morning. So I had like my, my buddies came over to see me off. They were still completely shit faced from like partying the night before. And they rolled mm -hmm. in about three 30 in the morning and you know, Hey, way dude, good luck. Man. Like, and then that's how I left for the military. So I didn't even get to party that night. It was just 
my now wife, Mary, and myself, we just we just hung out. It was very depressing. <laughs> it was like I didn't want to go. Was the army a good fit for you right out of the gate? No, it, it well, it, it was in the fact that I was very immature going in, um, growing up in Glendora, you know, middle class neighborhood, you know, it's you didn't have a whole lot of life experience coming from Glendora. And then you get thrown in the military where you get stuck it, with everybody and their brother. Um, I, I wasn't like a genius in high school. So you have to take a thing called the ASVAB when you when you go into the mm -hmm. military. It's kind of like their SAT. Um, and I took it and. I, I, I scored so bad on it. They're like, oh, you look like an infantryman. So that's kind of how I ended up where I ended up. <laughs> it's the only thing I really qualified for, quite honestly, because I was just a knucklehead. Um, I went in and, and I, you know, I, I was a combat engineer. I went to air, I went through airborne school. Um, and I mainly when I got in, I, I ended up when I first got in, there was garrison time. There was nothing going on. I, I mean, I enlisted. I didn't even know anything about any countries of outside, you know, I didn't know where Kuwait was or, you know, Iraq or anything like that was. I'd heard of it, but I, it could have been next to, you know, Quebec, Canada. I had no idea. Um, but when I went in, it was like, there was nothing going on. So I was teaching explosives classes at, uh, on, uh, to, uh, officer candidate students at Fort Benning, Georgia. So I was just like a E3, four that was just, I taught, you know, these guys how to make, Claymore mines out of applesauce cans and C4 and, you mm -hmm. know, Bangalore torpedoes out of you shaped picket fences and C4 and chart, you know, you were, and, you were MacGyver, you were, you were MacGyver and all that kind of good stuff. So that's really what I did. I didn't do anything real other than just, you know, scare officer cadets with throwing lit C4 at them in the bleachers to scare them because it's harmless and you light on fire. But, uh, that's really what I did. And it wasn't until the war kicked off over until the desert storm kicked off that, that I actually got to go do stuff. So now what we talked a little bit before, well, throughout the years about you were kind of the guy you've, you've got this almost, I don't want to use the word crazy streak, but it's kind of almost like a crazy streak where you told me that you were the guy who would like did the Forrest Gump dive into the hole to check things out. And you went from that kind of to X games. And I mean, the X games is not exactly for the, fate of heart no it yeah it the, the x game saying when i got out of the military i was kind of lost a little bit i kind of float, floated around a lot of odd jobs here and there and i saw an article of uh some street luge that they were this guy was doing street luge now i wasn't completely unaware of street luge when i was in high school i did a thing called gravity racing which is basically you take a BMX bike, you you leave the brakes on, but you take the pedals off and you just coast down mountain roads and it became a sport. And they, they, they did the tram road in Palm Springs, but Glendora mountain road was like the road. And I happened to live in Glendora and one of my buddies was doing it. That's how I got involved in that in high school. So when I got out of high school, um, I was floating around odd jobs. I was cleaning carpets and I opened up the Tribune actually when people used to get the newspaper and there was an article in the sports section about this guy that had done a street luge lay down, it's like a giant, Lay, lay down skateboard. And um, I'd recognized it from a race I had done previously before in the military when I was doing the downhill stuff on the gravity bikes, but nobody really did the, the street luge thing. And uh, so I saw it and I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. And I, I you know, there was, there was a part of me that was, I, you know, you, you come out of the military after doing a job like that and you're just kind of, you know, delivering phone books and cleaning carpets just isn't, doesn't give you the same kind of 
satisfaction Thrill. that's the wrong word for it that, that you're used to that you're kind of you're you, you've kind of been wired for and there was a there's a really hard transition there for me for a lot of years of trying to just find where i was at as a person and my personality and everything because the, the military really shook my world quite a bit and turned things upside down a little quite a bit so um that was just a nice outlet for me to get into something like that um and the more you get into it i know the x games everybody kind of you the, they're a bunch of crazies and when i got into it it was i mean it was ridiculous they had bungee jumping and just stupid parts of i mean luckily they've cleaned it up and now it's 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 a little more uh legit as far as competition it's still a stage show it was a stage show mm-hmm. when i was in um but it used to be ridiculous with some of the events they had but we we got into that and and the thing with the x games is you, it, they really do a good job of only picking like the top guys in any particular discipline. So when you are watching the X Games, you are watching the best guys on the planet in that particular discipline. And these guys are really good. I mean, not just my sport, but across the board. I mean, the guys that do it, it looks crazy to the casual bystander. But when you do it and you do it all the time, it's less scary. It's like to me, when my son was playing ball in college, when he was lined up, I was more worried about him getting his head taken off off a snap than I ever was about me doing any racing. Honestly, that's God honest truth. I, when he'd play in a game, I was nervous as all get up compared to when I raced. And that's just, it's just, it's a, I think it's a, uh, what's your, you, you probably were never like, I, I've heard you talk. You were never nervous when you snapped, but normal person that's yeah. never done it before. That's insane. Like there's no way. What, um, so that's kind of the, the mindset I had with hold that. Hold on, Jason, 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 I, I want to, Jason, I want to talk about, I think you kind of touched on a little bit. The, the army was great for you because it let you open up and see different things, different worlds and all that good stuff. But then halfway through it kind of, it, it took you a little bit to a different place. And that kind of leads me to my second question is what, how do you, because there's a lot of anxiety and stress in the army, especially dealing with explosives. And then also obviously trickles right over into the X games as well. How did you handle that much anxiety? How much that stress? I, I, I don't. And that's, and, and, and that's one of the issues I still deal with today. I have a lot, I, I deal with a lot of anxiety. It gives me ulcers okay. and stuff. I was just at a doctor's appointment this morning for it. Um, okay. But, and that's one of the reasons, another reason why I moved out of California, California caused me a lot of anxiety uh, living down there and just that whole I commuted a, a long way. I, I rode a, I commuted on a mo- motorcycle for 15 years in LA. So I was one of those lane splitter guys, um, got hit twice, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but everything just, I I've always dealt with a lot of anxiety. So when it comes to, let me know if I get off track with your question. Um, no, you're fine. But you're as fine. far as the, the, the anxiety of, of the X, like the, to me, the funny thing about the X games and, and competing in that is I did the street luge on we anyway, it's, it's basically a long skate. It's, I don't want to say skateboard, but it's more like an actual traditional ice luge with wheels on it. Quite honestly, it's more that than okay. it is a skateboard. Um, and when, when I would go to races, there were certain events that I, I personally, I like to race, but I didn't like the idea. I didn't like watching the practice because it looks so fast. It freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Although I was going to be on that same course and, you know, an hour doing the same exact thing. I didn't like to watch practice because it looked scary to me. If that makes sense. Um, 
But when I was on the hill and once the light went green and you took off and you were shoulder to shoulder with somebody, to me, everything slows down. And I've heard that from a lot of like guys that compete and race and that kind of thing is when you're racing and you're kind of in that zone, everything slows down. Everything feels like it's in slow motion until it goes wrong. Then it could speed. Trust me, it speeds up very quickly. But for, for the time when you're actually racing, when you're shoulder to shoulder, 60 miles an hour, come into a, like a sweeper corner or whatever the case may be. Um, to me, it's, it's comfortable. It, 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 I'm more worried. I'm more scared of losing than I am getting hurt at that point. Okay. At one point, okay, you, I, I understand the anxiety thing. I get it. At one point in your life, you were a husband, a parent, attending the art center, racing professionally, and working. How did you balance that if you had anxiety issues or still do? I, I mean, because men, this is shows about men's health and men's mental health, and I want someone to be able to watch this and say, okay, this guy's doing all this. How the hell did he do it? And, and, and it's not like you suck at all of them. You're fantastic. So how, how did you do that? What, what advice can you give? I, you know, my my advice actually would be the opposite of what you should do, quite honestly. And this is about men's health, obviously. <laughs> so uh, f- full disclosures, I, I didn't handle it. I just buried everything that bothered me. I just buried it. I would just bury it and bury it and bury it. So I just compartmentalize things. If I had to work, that's like that did work. If I was racing, I did racing. If I had to do schoolwork, I did schoolwork. It's like I very much compartmentalized everything. Anything that bothered me or seemed to be an issue, um, I just buried it and just ignored it. And it's not the healthiest way to do it. It's completely the wrong way to do it. And uh, I've learned that over the years. It's Life has a way of humbling you as you get older. And I, I don't think the mm-hmm. younger kids realize that when they're young. Um, my son, he's just he's going to be t- turning 25 here in, in a couple of days. And I see what he goes through and I remember being that age and it's like, you don't know what you don't know yet. And, mm-hmm. um, life, life teaches you lessons and it's the smart ones that learn from those lessons. The dumb ones, they just keep getting, keep getting knocked around and stuff. And what I've learned over the years from my anxiety is that you can't just ignore it. You've got to address it. You've got to figure out what that issue is and go at it full steam ahead it's hard. It's annoying for me. It's just like, to me, I was raised in a family where, um, you, you were, you were taught to, you know, kind of not my immediate family, but my, my outer, my grandpa, my grandpa, the, the, those type of people that, that I was around, you, you just dealt with it. Cause the, the, the mantra was, there's always somebody that has it worse than you. So just deal with it. Yeah. There's all, and it's that's that. kind of the way I've just kind of lived my life. It's like, no matter how bad things got, I can guarantee 100% somebody's got it a hundred times worse than me. So what am I complaining about? And that's just how I dealt with it my entire life. And that, and that's, but this, that's, you, you've hit a topic that we've covered countless times over the last 16 episodes. And now on the 17th is how you and I, and so many men were raised with uh, you're fine, rub some dirt on it. And it's so hard for me because I, I was kind of raised the same exact way, but, and I'm still like that bottom line guy. And that's why like you and I deal pretty well with each other because it's just like, I need ABC, you go DEF. Okay. That's done. It's very simple. It's over and done with. And it's just a matter of learning to, yeah, it's like you said, compartmentalize. I can't say that word compartmentalize. (laughs) Um, And I always use it as more like it's focus. Like I always say, focus, focus up, you know, it's, I focus on one thing, but we have to be able to, as dudes, be able to 
just speak to one another. That's why if you've ever noticed about it, I, I don't say it goes over a month, but usually if I don't hear from you like within two to three weeks, I'll give you a jingle. What's going on, Jason? Let's just talk. Let's just BS for a while. And it's just one of those things because it, it helps me vent. And I know damn well it helps you vent too because we're just two assholes talking to each other about topics that we want to talk about. And we can be just plain and simple and to the bottom line point as you can be with another human being. And I think that's what dudes need to do is they need to find someone, anyone whether it's a wife, a buddy, kid, dog, just someone you can kind of talk to and vent a little, because you're going to implode. And that, and that's the key. And that's I think that was what I was missing my whole life, is I've never found anybody that I could really just talk to, because I could always find uh, something that I didn't relate to them with. Either they hadn't served in the military, or they didn't have kids, or they didn't like what I, you name it, you name the issue, whatever. I just could always be like, oh, they wouldn't understand, they don't understand. Um, and I actually found a guy up here in Idaho that I've been, I've been just started saying, and like, I, I, I pride myself on being able to kind of peg somebody in the first five minutes, whether I'm going to like them or not like them, or if they're a genuine person, or if they're just full of shit. Um, and it drives my wife nuts. Cause I'm pretty much dead on most of the time, um, <laughs> good or bad in her benefit or not. <laughs> so, but I found this guy up here and within the first minute of talking to him, I like this, that, yeah this, this is my, this is my guy. So, um, yeah, it's, and I've always thought of, you know, going to talk to somebody is, you know, I, I always thought it's like, man, you're, you're weak sauce, bro. If you can't handle your shit, you're weak sauce. You gotta just deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, nah, sometimes you just gotta vent to people, you know, you're, you really do. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, everything's interconnected. Like if you have stomach issues, it very well could be in your head, you know, vice versa. So, um, it's 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 a part of the mind. It's a it's a part of the healthcare system that is grossly overlooked, in my opinion, um, is the, the health as this this the mental health aspect of things. It's not a it's not that anybody's being weak. It's um, it's just I mean, I was worried about people judging me, um, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But, you know, you get to a certain age, like I said, life humbles you and you just realize, fuck everybody. It's like I, I'm me. I got to fix me because if you don't fix you, you're no good for anybody else. Oh, absolutely. If you're not, if you're don't, if you're, like you said, if you don't fix yourself, you're going to be worthless to your husband, your wife, your kids, your dog, exactly. your family member, your job, all that stuff. Jason, this was absolutely fantastic. Um, are you, where can people find you if they want to talk to you? Obviously they can email Rubio at the Rubio method. What's your website? I want them to see some of your graphic stuff. We didn't get really into it, but it, he does such a phenomenal job. What, what's your website? I think uh, it's Jay. Uh, I, I just got a new one. It's Jason Johnson was already taken.com. I believe it is because <laughs> I, I, I trying to find Jason Johnson anywhere on, on a domain name that isn't taken is literally impossible. Like everything's been taken. You, you could put Jason Johnson car dealer in there. It's going to pop up. So I just put Jason Johnson was already taken. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll have that one. So uh, I believe that's that Jason. up and running right now. Perfect. Give Mary the kids a big hug for me. Christian, I'm out. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. 
focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Chef Rachel, out in London. Thanks for watching. I really, really appreciate it. And all your food on LinkedIn looks fantastic. Welcome back to the Rubio Method. We've come to the final segment of the Rubio Method. Make sure you follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, and of course, therubiomethod.com. If you have any questions for myself, Monahan, or Jason Johnson, you can email rubio at the Rubio Method. We really appreciate you guys subscribing and sharing everything. Here is the bottom line. What the bottom line is for all our new viewers and listeners is basically stuff that you should have learned throughout the show without even realizing you learned it. I am a very bottom line person. Just give me the bottom line. Let's go. So here's number one. No matter where you are, you need to get moving. No matter where you are, you need to get moving for your health, for your mind, for your heart. Remember the minute with Monahan, how he was saying, even at your desk, you get a yoga ball. You got to do what you got to do. Go for a quick walk. Get some vitamin D. So no matter where you are, you need to get moving. Number two, no one's path is the same, and that is just fine. No one's path is the same, and that is just fine. Jason Johnson took a very different path than a lot of people where he went from high school to literally 12 hours after graduating, going to the army, spent time there doing explosives and all that good stuff, right to the X games. Then now he's a creative director, which basically means he's really good with a computer and graphics and he's an absolute stud. So everyone's going to be different and that is fine. Don't think everyone needs to be cookie cutter because you'll just, you'll drown in that thinking. And number three, be thankful to those who make sure you are okay. Jason's obviously a vet. Keep an eye on people. Make sure you contact someone. Make sure you call them. Check in on your people. It's okay. You won't be considered soft. Just every couple of weeks, call someone. Send them a text. Send them a quick video. Everything can be done with a phone nowadays, and it's just going to make their day brighter. You know what's probably going to make your day brighter as well. That is a wrap. Great episode 17 with Jason Johnson. Make sure you guys continue to follow the Rubio Method on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts. Christian, I'm out.